Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodovkar Schaller. Hi, welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And we're glad you're listening. Uh, today we're going to talk about Zool. But first, uh, we have some feedback this week, Aaron. All right, great. Let's hear it. Well, we, we got a message from Finland, so here we go. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> Greetings from Finland. I have now listened to every episode and really enjoy your podcast. I have to admit being a little surprised hearing that you're from the U.S., <laughs> but your perspective is really refreshing, and actually, I've never played some of the games you've covered. I did play TV sports basketball a lot. It's actually a good game, not just those pretty graphics. You mentioned the Wings Remaster, but there's also the Cinemaware Anthology in Steam. Uh, have you heard about that, Aaron? I have not. Um, it is. I, I looked it up. It's on. Uh, like I said, it's on Steam. Uh, you can choose to play either the Amiga version or the DOS version of Cinemaware's. It seems like almost all of the Cinemaware games. Really? Uh, all the games run on Windows Seven and Windows Eight. It's called the Cinemaware Anthology, nineteen eighty six to nineteen ninety one, and includes the following titles: uh, Defender of the Crown, SDI, The King of Chicago. Uh, Sinbad and the Throne of the Falcon. I mean, a ton of games. It's got Wings. It came from the desert. Parts one and two. Rocket Ranger. All the TV sports games. It's ten bucks. What a deal! Yeah, and you can play the uh, the DOS or Amiga versions. Yeah, of those? you can choose at the beginning which one you want to play. Or if they're emulated, or how they when how they did that. I don't know, but uh, I Man, think ten bucks. Yeah, for what 10 a bucks. steal! And the thing is, you know, even you know, I didn't buy any of these games obviously when they came out, but I'd like to uh, like to support these guys because Cinemaware is an awesome company and give some because I'm sure some of this money goes makes its way back to the uh, creators. At least I hope so. I don't know who even owns the rights to that stuff anymore yeah that's 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 so awesome i can't believe that i know i did not know about that i had no idea so i'm definitely going to pick this up yes um and uh so he says it's highly recommended if you're into cinemaware games and he said i just wanted to say thanks for your output so far and keep up the good work best regards yari outstanding so, thanks yeah good call, thank you, yari. and uh i hope i'm saying your name right uh most of my source of nordic language comes from skyrim have, have you so, been to finland before I've i know never, you're a world traveler i've never been to uh to any of the uh the countries up there i'd love to go to uh finland or uh some of the scandinavian countries yeah but never been uh there's also some news that i don't know if you heard about <laughs> all right that, uh kind of um comes just in time in that charlie brown sense of just in time uh-huh. uh there are new power supplies being made brand new for the amiga 500 612 <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny in so many reasons who's making them so this this company i think they're called a power okay. and oh, um here point. are the specs uh they've got a seven colored slow charging or slow changing power led Ooh. It's much smaller than the original uh, power supply in an Amiga. Mm-hmm. It's beige in color, so it will match <laughs> your case. That's important. Are they? Are they like? Have you seen these? Uh, they they look like. Well, they look like what I assume you know a smaller version of the power supply. Oh, so they don't look like say a laptop dr- power no, supply. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, they work on any voltage from any country. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, 100, 240, whatever, Ain't 50 or 60 nice. yeah. uh, hertz. Um, they're much more powerful than the original power supply. Now I don't know anything about electronics, mm-hmm. but um, it says that this it runs on seven amps on plus five volt uh, volts, one amp on plus twelve, point one amp on negative twelve. Well, what that probably means when it says more powerful, it's not like shooting more power in the computer. What it's doing is it's it would probably help for peripherals. Mm. Uh, Amiga, for example, the 500, which we're going to talk about, it had that sidecar slot in it, and you could put any num. Now, some of that stuff had its own power supply because they knew ahead. They're like, listen, we can't, we're not going to be able to use the internal, the or not the internal, but the built-in, the one that came with it. We're going to need more power, so we have to plug this in with a separate power adapter. But a lot of stuff didn't, and I always heard that. Uh, uh, like if you put enough stuff on that on that side slot, you're you could run into trouble for, from not having enough juice. Yeah. And it happened. I was just listening to um, 
to a podcast from Floppy Days. We were talking about the Coco. Coco had the same sort of setup through a cartridge slot. And uh, after you mounted like a multi-port and a bunch of other stuff, you could power that. You can run that power out. So uh, adding more power, that's a good thing. Uh, it also <clears throat> has a DC jack for something called a plip box power. Do you know what that is? A plip box yeah I, honestly i don't know i don't know either and i should have looked it up but i just now read that particular sentence for the first time <laughs> maybe that's some kind of uh I, boy, I say something stupid again but maybe that's some sort of proprietary thing that they that they have I, I, i'm not familiar with the flip box I don't yeah know. but it uses a standard iec power cord from any printer or computer uh it's, it doesn't have any fan it's completely quiet it's got a neon lighted power switch so you know when it's on or off unlike the original that's real good uh the uh it's overload protected okay um and it's also short protected it goes into a pulse mode until the short is fixed and then it'll also it'll auto reset when the short is fixed nice here's the price okay 69 bucks oh that's not bad not bad at all i'm just thinking how much i caught i for those for those that recall we're putting together a boat a a, a, a amiga 500 and so i've had to i didn't have a power supply for it so we've i've had to go to a, a fella on uh, ebay who, who makes a converter that will go to the Amiga from a AT-style power supply, which anyone that knows anything about Amiga power supplies knows the biggest pain in the butt is the fact that they have that wacky uh, port on the back for the power uh, supply, that square port with the five pins. It's not easy to simulate, really, and it's you can't get them. You cannot get these things. And I didn't have a power supply. That a lot of people were just taking you know, uh, splice, splice at a power supply with an old one and they're good. Didn't have one. So I, I thought, well, I could do this myself, but let's, I'd like to see what someone else did. So that, and I'll, we're going to review this when we put boats together. So, cause I haven't even tried it yet, but I ordered this thing, but for what did you say? 69 bucks. Mm-hmm. That's a fair price. I think for, for that, for a quality power supply, I think that's a, that's a, that's a pretty good deal. If you consider a PC power supply, it's going to cost you that kind of money or more and you're talking about a power supply for a vintage a vintage machine, that seems like a, a pretty reasonable deal. I thought so, too. Um, so, uh, and then there's one other website that I, uh, I discovered. I can't remember how I found out about this. I was just perusing the internet. It's a website called Amiga PCB Explorer. Okay. Okay? So this is a, um, it's basically kind of a graphical or visual guide to uh, Amiga motherboards. And, um, what it is is you know you see you'll see uh you know a kind of a computerized drawing of a pcb of an amiga and this has it's got layouts for the a4000 uh the 1200 um and you click on it and then you can actually zoom in and zoom out you can click on the different components of the motherboard you can zoom way in to see where all the traces go and everything like that Mm. and it seems like you know if you're doing work on a motherboard this is a really valuable thing to be able to just go ahead and you know zoom in and zoom out, look at exactly what you need to see uh, in a really high fidelity way. Sure, that would be handy. And that is at uh, amigapcb.org if you want to check that out. And you found this? I found this. Well I found, done. Yeah, I was on. I think it was was on. I think maybe that German Amiga site, the amiganews.de. Mm-hmm. So they, they, there's a lot of great stuff on there. Yeah, the, you, you you folks over in Europe. Are, for us, the resources are slim, so we've learned to pick through a lot of foreign language websites to find out information on things. Yeah. I, I've done it, and thank God for Google Translate and all this stuff, because otherwise, we there's like there's not a lot of action. Like like the Finnish gentleman said, there's not a lot of action over here in the states uh, with with the Amiga, and so it's we have to uh, turn to you guys for support more than a little. Would you like to comment on this week's episode? Did John and Aaron finally make their first mistake? Leave us a comment at our blog at amigospodcast.com. All right, it's time for our hardware segment. Uh, Aaron, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to do a little, uh, just a little baby retrospective on the, on the Amiga 500. Uh, since we, we covered the, uh, the 1000 in one of our first shows. And so I thought we'd just go over the 500 a little bit since that's sort of the premier model of the Amiga. Um, I did a lot of research on this. It's funny the uh, there's there's of course there's quite a bit of stuff out on the technical aspects of the of the computer, what um, the chipset, the the uh, peripherals, the screen modes, and whatnot. But I was looking for stuff uh, 
like sales figures, for example. And that, that stuff's a lot harder to find and a little bit more convoluted. But I found a few things I want to share with everybody. Um, the 500 was announced in January of 87. So if you'll recall, the uh, the, the 1,000 was released, what was it, July of 87? Mm-hmm. I think it was. July of 85, 85 I should mm-hmm. say. So you're talking about... Um, you know, but it was released. So it, the release of this thing was somewhere in October, I believe, of, of '87. So not a little over two years in between releases uh, of them, which is not bad. Uh, the uh, initial price was going to be seven hundred dollars. Uh, that's with a monitor. Uh, the The funny thing about this, and it's I, I never had this ever occurred to me when I, because I mean I've had several five hundreds, obviously I own one right now uh, that I'm going to be giving to you, but. Uh, the Amiga 500 was a uh, a budget 1,000, effectively. You don't think about it like that now, uh, <laughs> because you know it seems like it, I always thought, okay, here's the next logical step. It's the but I mean, if you think about it, I guess it is a budget version. They you know integrated it all into one unit. They uh, eliminated some of the size of the unit. Uh, they they had at this point perfected the uh, the, the board, you know, the smaller footprint. Uh, but in essence, I mean, the original in particular, it's a it's a one thousand in a lot of ways. Similar chipset, the uh, uh, the uh, the profile was smaller, so they saved money there. As I recall, Commodore owned their. Uh, eventually, they ended up owning the people that made all their plastics, so <laughs> they were essentially saving themselves money in that in that area. Um, its code name, when it, uh, as it was being made, was Rock Lobster, which a lot of people uh, know that, like which is a uh, throwback to the uh, the B52s, right? Um, this thing was a they directly wanted to compete with the Atari uh, 520 ST, right? Which was a more budget. Now I'm not a I'm not a, a student in the Atari ST line. I don't know if you've ever you're well, more actually, of an Atari guy than well, I. Well, I just finished reading a. Uh, a retrospective of the ST in uh, one of my old back issues of Retro Gamer Magazine. Right. And looking at that, the 520 ST, it looks exactly, the form cat factor looks exactly like a 500. Really? Now, let me ask you this. Does the 500 have an extended uh, keypad with numpad? The, the the actual 500, I don't I don't think it does. Okay, so that's, I guess that's one. It's funny, there's not one here that... sitting in front of me. I don't, I'm, so I, <laughs> I'm not but I don't think it has, I don't recall having a keypad. But what as far as having. As I get home, you know, we're going to look and it's got a keypad. I can't remember. I know the six that the 600 doesn't, so maybe the 500, I think the 500 does. I don't think about it. The 600, it was, they just cut the keypad off. That's right. what it was, yeah. But that all in one form factor, yeah. it really looks similar to the 520. It looks a lot like it reminded me of, like I say, a Commodore 128. So, yeah. I guess maybe they were going down that road. Uh, like I said, this this thing released in at various points in in eighty seven. Some places it was released as early as like as like May, and then up to up to October. Um, it was also unlike the one thousand uh, Commodore sold these in retail outlets like the sixty like the C sixty four was sold, uh, which was probably a pretty good move. Uh, it it sold a lot better than uh, than the one thousand for well, the obvious reasons. That's interesting. So the Amiga one thousand was never sold through we- the retail channel. They were sold. It was more of a computer, and they sold they sold it at computer stores. Oh, okay, but they, they still sold them at retail. I mean, you can still go to a store. When and buy I say one. retail outlets, I mean like um, like a, a Sears, okay. a Kmart. So they were sold um, in like department stores, correct? And stores that weren't necessarily computer yeah, stores, right? Um, the early 500s, they used the uh, same OCS uh, chipset as the 1000. Uh, pretty much the same, you know, pretty much the same everything, same chip uh, chipset. The the earlier versions, I didn't know this, but uh, that the 500, any of them shipped with uh, with Kickstart or with Amiga OS 1.2, uh, but they did. Uh, I always thought they almost all shipped with 1.3, but some, some of the early ones, right? Um, they, they they were stocked with a 512k uh, of of memory. Um, they were built to go up to eight meg max, uh, which that's <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot of memory. If you for think that if time. you think about it, but 512k for 87 is not very much. No, that's actually quite a bit. Well, compared to what was going on in the Mac scene, it wasn't because the original Mac. Or no, it was the second Mac that came out in '86 that had 512K. I know. I was just I, like I said. I was just listening to a show uh, on Floppy Days about the Coco Three. 
the Coco 3 released, I think they said it released in 88. And I remember the start, how amused I was because I've done this research. So it's right around the time that the, that the 500 was out. And you could bring it to max it out at 512. Yeah. But we're talking about two vastly different classes. <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> you true. Know, the Amiga was meant to compete with the Macintosh in the IBM PC. Now, I don't know where PCs were at that time. You'd know more about that. Did you have a PC by 87? <clears throat> yes, I had. I, well, no, I was still on Coco. Because okay. I actually had a Coco 3 before we ever got our first PC. So at that time, I was still in, I was still in the Coco. But it would be interesting to know where you know the pcs were at that time you know whether they were shipping with 512 or still 256 for the longest time i remember out because i was uh in high school at the time and they were that I mean it was i, I don't think we had anywhere near 512 in the in, a, in our pcs at, at school mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of memory in the pc was sort of worthless too depending on how you it was all about the memory manager and what you were using right memory in the pc phew, it's a whole other story there of course amiga has its own <laughs> everything memory everything but, has yeah. with memory. um like i said pretty much the stock system same same uh sound chip uh it had a uh, 880k standard amiga floppy drive um it had the usual ports you would expect on the back. Uh, the one thing it didn't have, and boy, what a pain, as we know, is that it had a video port, but it did not have a, uh, a video. It had, it had audio out. It did not have video out uh, as, a, as, a, as a composite port. Uh, so what it did have was a, uh, was a, was a video uh, port, the, uh, and the only ways you could use this thing were with a Amiga monitor, a multi-sync monitor with the with the with the cable, or the dreaded A520, which is the RF modulator thingy that the that the Amiga that Commodore put out for the Amiga. I can tell you, folks, from experience that, and I'm sure anyone that's had one of these things can can identify with it. This was a horrible item. <laughs> it sticks out about eight inches off the back of the straight behind the. Uh, behind the Amiga so you can't tuck the Amiga into a little nook it has to have a lot of leeway out I mean like it's a good at least six inches out and the problem with this thing is and I've seen this happen firsthand I was at it was in a room when it happened as if is if that if that thing wiggled you could b- literally blow up the machine with it and it happened to a friend of mine he he had shoved his Amiga back too far and the uh, end of the 520 caught on the side of his desk and it tilted and poof, gone Amiga gone, so that we had to take that one back to the get it repaired. Uh, so this was a horrible, horrible thing. I, I guess again, it was a cost-cutting measure to uh, to uh, take and put that on there. But it was I hated it, <laughs> and I think and, and I think anyone that knows anything about it now uh, would agree with you. Would agree on that. The uh, again, the, the 500 was built was built to be the cost version because it came out about the same time as the 2000. The 2000, of course, had the, the Zorro slots in it for, like, PC-style cards. The Amiga, the Amiga 500 did not have that. What it did have was it had a little bit of expansion. Well, not a little bit, a decent amount. It had what's called the trapdoor slot, which is the underside slot where you can stick more memory. Uh, this was referred to often as slow memory uh, because, it again, it's a memory thing with Amigas. The uh, and also usually I know when I whenever I've upgraded that belly slot, also you put a real time clock in there uh, as well. That was usually it's a lot like the the one the uh, the one thousand has. Similar what was the what was the first Amiga to include a real time clock? Was that the twelve hundred? To include it, yeah, I'd say it's probably the two thousand. I can't I can't don't hold me to that, but I would not be surprised if it was. But you know, then again, it seems like I saw those real time clock modules. I think I'm not sure it even came with one. I think it supported a module, but I'm not 100 percent sure it even came with one. Really? It's funny that the real time clock didn't seem like a big deal to anyone uh, uh, for a long time. Yeah. You know, of course, the Coco's never had one, and well, the, you know, that's another thing. I I I know more about Macs than anything else, and the Mac, you know, it included a real time clock from the beginning, um, and that was mostly used if you talk to old Mac heads uh, to make sure that their system hadn't frozen, <laughs> because if that clock was still moving. The uh, you know you didn't have to reach behind and turn it off and turn it back on. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, the uh, the Amiga did have one nice feature for a budget machine, uh, which prolonged its life. I guess is that is that the uh, the main processor was socketed. And so you could pop that out. That is a great feature. 
um, you can directly upgrade uh, to a, a 6820 uh, uh, or 30 or 40 with the expansion slot and some rigmarole basically you're popping the other one out they had of course much like much like the 1000 i had you could pop that processor out and stick weird peripherals in that socket mm-hmm. you know pc bridge boards and stuff uh and uh that sort of thing now when did you uh when you got your your 500 the 500 that you're loaning me did that one have a stock uh processor in it or had it been upgraded you know, I got that one in a, with, a, with a bulk of stuff. Mm-hmm. I believe, I, boy, I think it's got a stock processor. I don't recall it having anything extra uh, on it. Uh, I had, I got two, one of which I sold, and I don't remember which was which. So <laughs> I'm not 100% sure what what it's got on it. Um, <coughs> the expansions on the five, you've got the side expansion port that that was mostly used. Again, you could you could that a lot of times you could put your SCSI cards in there, your memory expanders, a lot like we covered on the on, on previous show. Now, what is the difference between putting a memory expander in a in the in the side port versus adding memory through the trap door? Well, that trap door memory was was considered slow memory, and the and the uh, the sidecar stuff was considered fast memory. Um, <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like. So the system was just able to use that side door memory quicker. You know, it was more helpful. Well, more it beneficial. Was fast RAM is what it's called. It's um, that's a, we could do a whole show. Maybe maybe one of these days I'll do a whole show on, on Amiga memory configurations because that's all. That's a whole other realm to it to itself. Uh, the uh, uh, <laughs> it was crazy. The uh, trying to configure some stuff. Now most stuff. Like I said, there were a lot of me- a lot of memory peripherals came with switches on them, so you could turn so you could turn them off effectively mm-hmm. because some some older stuff wouldn't you know, know what to do with it. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> they uh, the five hundred had a good run. It was the best selling Amiga. It was it was a uh, Commodore at their peak with the Amiga. Uh, even then, it wasn't it didn't reach levels of the sixty four, which disappointed. You know, Commodore. There was reasons. It was we could go into that too. They they were just horribly they were horribly promoted, and they were and, and the Commodore didn't know what they had. You know, on their hands. Well, in some ways, Commodore was competing against itself because they had this hugely successful platform. Even into the late eighties and eighty seven, the C sixty four was still probably selling pretty well. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, if you think about, it, I remember hearing something on TV one time that that they had sold. 80,000 C64s and like something ludicrous like 95 or something and and, and or 94 I don't know where they even got these things mm-hmm. it was after Commodore was gone but it, they'd been sold in like Russia or China or yeah. something like that if you consider that uh, um, it's hard I mean is the C64 if not the best it's one of the all time best selling yeah I know I computers. remember reading that you know and I who knows if this is still true but for a long time it was the all time best selling I would wait. I don't know what would have caught it, because also it was around forever, right? You know, so so it, it was it was a, it's hard to follow that up. And again, at that point, Commodore's business practices were their undoing. They're yeah. overpaid executives and that sort of thing. Uh, the five hundred eventually was was uh, upgraded, or a new model was came out, which is a five hundred plus. That's when you get into uh, the uh, enhanced chipset. You get into um, a, a newer version of Workbench Kickstart, the whole nine yards, um, and then from there, somewhere in like uh, I think it was like '92 ish when the when the 600 came out, they sort of discontinued the five, uh, the 600, which I won't get into too much on this show, but it was it was a weak replacement for the five in that it was basically the five all, the, with the few. The problem, another thing they ran into with with the Amiga is that they really didn't do a lot of upgrading to their base models. I mean, if you, it, it's a lot. It reminds me a lot of Atari. Uh, the Atari 400 is pretty similar to the Atari 1200XL. I mean, in most ways, it's the same machine mm-hmm. with the, you know a certain it's more RAM. Cha- yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's that's effectively what 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 Commodore did. They just re- released the same thing over and over. The gimmick on the 600 was it had a, a PCMCA card slot in it it had an internal hard drive connector and it was small but i mean if you're using the same processor and this and the same you know everything after a while what are you doing you know it's time to move on you're talking you're talking seven years later you should have had something else cooking 
and then eventually the 1200 came out which the 1200 ended up being what the 500 had originally been planned to be they'd actually they cut out a lot of the stuff in the design to come up with the 500 that said they're sturdy uh my cats tried to kill mine and it's still kicking the uh, uh they are they're I've never seen one really not work. Uh, I mean, it's amazing. They're very sturdy machines. I think part of the help is having that power supply located off the board, off the out of the system helps. Uh, they, you know, they don't really run hot. Uh, I've I've plugged a line of, of peripherals into them, and 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 uh, they still keep you know keep on going. The hard drive's a nice addition. The they had to quirks, of course. The Amiga line, the biggest quirk is, and, and we ran into this last week, is when you hook up a, a couple floppy drives to them, you'd like to be able to use them. But the Amiga, I guess because of piracy, a lot of times even if you had a multiple disc game, they would just ignore the second drive and just make you swap out the first. And so often those drives would get worn out because you use them so much. You know, so that was a problem. Again, the uh, the video was the for me the video it parts of where the Achilles heel. Uh, I, I was okay with the joysticks and everything else, but that that's just that's not not including that ports is a pain. It's less of a pain in Europe. They can hook a SCART connector up to it. They're golden. Unfortunately, over here we don't have SCART, so we have right. to grin and bear it. Right. It would be interesting to know, and I didn't look to see if the 520 um, ST had uh what kind of what kind of outputs it had if it had the composite out um just to kind of give it parity you know just because you know if that was what the 500 was going up against you know amiga commodore must have known that you know they're selling this thing that is essentially a games machine uh and people want to hook it up to their tv you know mm-hmm. but uh it'll be interesting to know if the, the 520 did I'll well i will that say that it often came with a 520 now it doesn't help us now, but uh, that was something that was often part of the deal. <laughs> We're talking about two different five twenties. Oh, you're talking, talking about, about the, you're talking about the, the ST. Yeah. Ah, I see. <laughs> the, you know, the ST had more of a as much as musical as the Amiga was. I think the ST had a lot of oh, action. Yeah. Music. The, the ST actually had MIDI in and out, uh, which was insane for a computer. You know, that was the really the only computer all the way up into the nineties. People were still using uh, Atari STs for MIDI. Uh, Fat Boy Slim, remember, remember that guy? Yeah. Uh, he recorded that uh, "You've Come a Long Way, Baby." We had all those hits on it on an ST. It was part of his studio getup. Now Amiga's could be MIDI'd. I will say that it was. They just didn't. You needed a separate box for it. It was a separate. It was a, a little a little uh, adapter. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, but yeah, I think there was a way that. It seems like I read somewhere that the the way the Amiga handled the stereo output was not as efficient in ter- in a studio pers- in a, in a studio setting as the five as the uh, Atari ST like there was something to do with with the the way it processed sound or I don't know what it was but I remember I always heard that it was better for for a studio music musician to use the ST you know I guess maybe it's like the Mac with publishing right yeah, I mean, some, yeah. that just it became the the preferred one did, did you said you used to own an Atari ST uh, I never did I never owned an ST in fact I hated the ST for the longest time <laughs> because as a kid it was the thing that was pushing the eight bits out of the way and that was the computer that I had so you know when Antic magazine stopped calling itself Antic and started calling itself start and just had three pages in the back that were for eight bits i just couldn't stand it because i was a kid i couldn't afford it you know it's funny we're both we're both sort of atari guys in a, in a way uh um we ought to get an st and fool with it yeah. <laughs> just to see what it's like yeah and they're cheap i mean compared to amigas they're uh they're they're cheap well we chips. got it we got to get a falcon Oh, that no. way we can, drop, we, we can drop a dime. <laughs> yeah, <on it. laughs> um, but it's you know it's only fitting that we're both Atari guys in a way because of the history of the Amiga and you know Jeff Jeff Miner was that his name that uh, that that designed the uh, the Amiga had a hand in Jay, it. So. I think it was Jay, Jay Miner. Miner. You're right. The Jeff uh, Minter is the other guy who did. Jeff he did uh, Tempest 2000. Right. Yeah, which I just picked up for the Atari, for the Atari Jaguar. I might add. Awesome. So we're speaking of the devil. <laughs> uh, the uh, it's it's it's. I remember there was a rivalry with the ST. I used to read about it all the time in the magazines. Well, the funny thing is, I didn't know a single person with an ST because all these magazines were from Europe. Yeah, you know. So I'd be like, man, this ST must be pretty good since we're bad mouthing it so much in here. This thing must be really good. So I don't, I, I know, I don't have any experience. You know, the ST didn't sell as well as the Amiga did ever. I don't think. No. I never. Did you know anyone that ever had one? In the no, I I definitely heard more about the Amiga here now. Uh, again, it's just lucky that I have the uh, the retro gamer. I just this is still fresh in my mind. But the ST it was actually the best selling computer in um, in Europe for either one or more years. 
Really? So yeah, and it was a combination of having the 16-bit processor, but having a much lower price than the Amiga. I've seen, I've watched some YouTube videos of the ST and and <clears throat> some comparisons with the Amiga. Uh, <clears throat> the Amiga looks like the the better of the two. It is from it's a gaming a machine, perspective. Yeah. <clears throat> but I don't know how it right. I will say if we both have experience with the older Atari computers, the 400, the 800, mm-hmm. it's a far cry from those. Yeah. They really did. They yeah. They nutted up and put together something that was a whole different ball game. Well, you know what they did was they they basically they didn't create the operating system from scratch. They kind of took CPM and then they put a, a graphical operating system on top of it called Jim. And uh, it's kind of funny. The name of the operating system was called Toss. You know what Toss stands for? The operating system <laughs> and um That's you know great. it didn't it didn't really seem like it had the soul of the amiga um and a lot of the ports were just kind of lazy of the games that we've played on here you know looking at the st versions uh just just not as good and you know part of it i'm sure is is the the the, the way that the amiga was able to, to process graphics i think was better than the st but part of it i think was just you know they're like well it's on the amiga let's just pop it over the st and see how it yeah goes. they must have been fairly decent easy to port I think back so. and forth did the, did the of course this is not an st show but did, did the atari st have atari style joystick ports on it or did they have something else Boy, you know, that's a great question. I want to say they did because I don't recall ever seeing any ST-specific joysticks at, you know, Classic Gaming Expo or anything right, like yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. I don't remember seeing like that either. So, uh, but tune in to our next podcast as soon as we, you know, when we finish up the Amiga where we explore the Atari ST and the Coco 3. <laughs> well, we, maybe we'll have a, we have to have a, once we get our ST, we'll have to have a battle. Yeah. Let's see which one we'll <laughs> All right. Well, that was a great segment, Aaron. Let's move oh, on well, to, thank you. Let's move on to the game. <laughs> Are you enjoying the Amigos podcast? If so, please take a moment to write us a review on iTunes. iTunes is how most people discover podcasts, and by writing a review, you'll help us get to the top of the retro gaming and computing section. Thanks! Alright, this week's game is Zool, Ninja Ooh. of the Nth Dimension. It's my favorite ninja game, allegedly. <laughs> Unbeknownst to you. <laughs> um, so Zool is a platform game originally produced for the Amiga by Gremlin Graphics in 1992. It was later ported to several other platforms and followed by Zool 2 in 1993. So uh, Zool was originally developed and intended as a rival to Sega's Sonic the Hedgehog. No kidding. Yeah, it's <laughs> so it's it's very easy to see when you know if you played Zool, uh, what they were what they were going for. Um, the game was heavily hyped upon its initial release. I mean, it was everywhere. They uh, the uh, the publisher I actually didn't write down who published it. Do you have that down? Maybe do you think Gremlin Graphics published it also? I think I'm not 100 sure. I knew Gremlin obviously because there's the the big splash screen and right. the chin ups and all that junk on there. But uh, but I guess that they sent out you know full page ads to all the magazines. I know and, when it came out, I, I remember when it came out and it was it was a big deal. It was there was a lot of hype. Yeah, and so uh, it uh, it also was bundled with the newly launched Amiga 1200. Mm. Um, it, uh, but it wasn't. Uh, was it out? It had to have been out before that, though, wasn't it? Was there, did they release like a? It's possible that they released version, it. I well, yeah. And what happened was they. This is just another you know misstep. They they bundled it with the twelve hundred, or maybe it wasn't a misstep. And then they later released the AGA version <laughs> separately. So they got yeah. you twice, you know. Um, That's the one I played, by the way. The AGA, the AGA yeah, version, yeah. Uh, obviously. So Zool was also ported to. A ton of other yeah, stuff. I was surprised. <laughs> I looked over the ports. I was like, I don't even know what this is. Oh, yeah. So you know, you got your 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 usuals: the ST, the Game Boy, Mega Drive. The Genesis. Game Boy. That's not a usual. That's bizarre. An Amiga port to the Game Boy. That can well, only happen a you few know, times. You know, I think about you know the Adams Family. Well, stuff yeah. Like that. But um, Master System, Game Gear, CD32 had a version. Um, the Master System. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't even pay attention to that. I'd be wacky. Uh, the Acorn Archimedes. That's which, the one that yeah, caught my attention. That's, what, that's not a pretty. Is that a rare machine? Well, the Acorn is a it's a British PC. Yeah, but the Archimedes. And, but I have no idea. Isn't that what like an the jazzed is. up uh, Acorn? Maybe I, that's what it is. We didn't have Jack Squad over here from no. Acorn guys. No. So I'm not gonna <laughs> lie to you. Get, it wasn't even like the uh, the ZX Spectrum, yeah. which was rebranded as the Timex Sinclair. Yeah, we, that one we knew about. The Acorn, we that I've never laid Got eyes nothing. on one. Yeah, and um, and then it was also uh, developed for arcades. Um, did you know that? I. I Again, it seems like something I may have picked up way back in the day, but it's not something I could have told you today, no. 
Um, now the uh, the CD32 version has the original Redbook audio tracks and also has the option to have both sound effects and music. I, I wasn't I, again. I wasn't fun. I turned down the audio, the Redbook audio tracks on that. Um, that and the Acorn Archimedes version are the, uh, the only two incarnations to have the ability to have both uh, sound effects and music. You know, I'm going to look up this Archimedes. But I'm pretty sure that was like a top shelf acorn computer it have to be just to have a cd just have the ability to play red book cd bombs you know right you know um so uh the uh now here's something that i thought was funny because this brings me back to my own youth uh two young adult novels uh were were produced based on the games entitled cool zool and zool rules which were released in february 1995 Itchy. which seems like a long time after the release of the game i can't imagine too many kids were still talking about zool on the playground in i can't imagine someone pried a story out of this that could <laughs> fill two books <laughs> but um you know it's funny because when i was a kid um my mom used to limit my video gaming time and so i was uh instead what i would do is i'd fill my time reading are you familiar with the worlds of power series i'm not these are books uh that were written for uh nes games like there's one about castlevania one about metal oh, gear geez. well there you go and they are the cheesiest probably looking back on it, the worst books but i loved them when i was a kid maybe you should pick these up this yeah I, I well you know i might i might go on ebay and see how much they're going for lots i'd wager i uh <laughs> maybe we can do a live reading oh boy on the podcast bring in the users. andy kaufman style oh my gosh <laughs> so um but um zool Zool had some firsts. It was the very first Amiga game to feature heavy product placement. No kidding. And by heavy, <laughs> they're not lying. Yeah, they're not lying. Although, now, uh, what year did Super Frog come out? I can't remember. It was it ninety three? So it must it was have been after. shortly thereafter. Because of course yeah. that had that had uh, the energy drink. In yeah, it. yeah, uh, Lucas Aid or yeah. something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, of course, liberally spread throughout uh, the levels um, were the uh, the lollipops, the Chupa Chups uh, lollipops, and logos. Now, have you ever had any of those? I've had. We sold them for fundraisers when I was in school, and mm-hmm. they don't. They're not very good. I don't like them very much. I, I, I've I've had them. In fact, I remember going to the store one time and seeing some. I was like, "Look, it's a thing from Zool." Because mm-hmm. at the time, I saw that and I was like, "I never heard of that." So I, I never. I don't European remember thing. seeing them that that early. I, maybe they started out there. Do you know who designed the Chupa Chup logo? I should I get ready to have your mind blown? Who Salvador Dali? Whoa. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, they've been around for a while then, yeah? Well, Dolly just died. I mean, he died in like the 90s. Right, but I mean, I'm guessing that... that when he was they, on his deathbed, he was just, you know... He was just, just designing stuff. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm guessing they were around for a... I mean, surely they, they weren't just something that popped up in the 90s and got in a video game. I don't know. Aren't it, they a, like a, a... I thought they were like a, a, a UK or European I'm sure superpower of candy. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not it's not like they're Cadbury. I mean, like, you don't see that anywhere else but on the Lollipops. Well, at least in England, I didn't see any of it. Uh, but yet again, that would be something that I probably should have researched. But, well done, Boat. Yeah. But I got the Dolly thing. I thought that was cool. That's cr- I, Wow. Yeah. What can I say? <laughs> so, in, in, in essence, Salvador Dolly had a hand <laughs> in, in Zool. Zool. I wonder if he's mentioned in the novels anyway. <laughs> Maybe we did the artwork for the cover. But we're going to have to check it out. Um, now, the game caused confusion right off the bat because many of the reviewers that played the game before Zool came out described Zool as an ant. Right. Well, it turns out that Gremlin had to issue a press release saying that Zool is actually not an ant, but he is the leader of a body representing ants. I thought he was an ant too. And they're complaining. And, and now that- say that. Wait a minute. Say that again. <laughs> they said what now? Okay. So Gremlins later issued a press release claiming to be <laughs> that in itself the, is ludicrous. Yeah, <laughs> claiming that that he is a leader of a body, like a group of people uh-huh. that represent ants that are complaining about the misrepresentation of their hardworking and gentle species. But he's not an ant. But he's not an ant. What is he? He's a he's he's the leader of a body. <laughs> I have no idea what I'd love to see this. Has anyone got a video of this press conference? I can just see. I'm picturing like an NFL coach, you know, in front of. He's not an ant. I will say this. You know, in this political season in America, that sounds like a a political answer to a question. He is so ludicrous and makes no sense. I always thought he was an ant. I swear to God. Yeah. Why did they not want him to be an ant? Right. That's what I want to know. It's not like that would make him any less cool. Um, So. (laughs) That's impossible. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, 
So, but this was definitely, you know, <laughs> developed to be Amiga's, the Amiga's Sonic or Mario. You know, they needed a, a big platform mascot to drive sales. The people that owned Amiga's were clamoring for that because they were feeling jealous. Um, and it's plainly obvious from anyone who's ever played any Sonic or Mario game that this is not that game. <laughs> no, it, it, this reminds me, it's so much, no, again, this was, I think this is a, is better, but this is reminds me so much of Super Frog mm-hmm. and the fact that like someone looked at some platformers, they got the general mechanics down from some platform. Now this has some clever stuff in it, don't get me wrong. But I mean, you can't just make your guy real fast and then throw him into a level. These levels do not uh, tolerate running amok like <laughs> Sonic. This is a hard game, yeah. in, in my opinion. Yeah. It was super tough. Yeah, definitely super difficult and you can move quickly, but you're going to run into stuff and you're going to die. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I also played the AJA version. Um, it's limited, by again, by the one button of the Amiga controller. You have to press up to jump, which, you know, coming from a console perspective like me, just makes it really difficult to play. It, this wasn't as hard for me to get around as... as um Super Frog. Really? Was. I thought this was a little easy. Don't get me wrong. I understand what your perspective, and it is. A jump button and it wouldn't hurt. But I, I was able to get around a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because the guy was a little bit bigger. I think that helped. Yeah. You could see yeah. him a little bit better. It was no. I doesn't mean I was better at this than Super Frog because <laughs> this was like I said, it was at least as hard as Super Frog and maybe harder. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Uh, maybe I just suck at it. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, I thought there were some clever touches in it. Um, the uh, it's super long. I, I can tell you, I did not beat the game, but I did watch someone beat it so I could get a taste of all the levels. It's a long game. It's really long. Um, a lot of it, though, like for example, um, you've got what about five or six levels in this thing. You would see every bit of the same stuff over and over and it's over again. Like, it's not like you got so many discrete places. That was one thing that I thought Super Frog was really cool about. You know, each yeah. level is completely different. Than the well, level these levels are different, but it's just that the levels just go on for you know forever. Mm-hmm. You got you've got the first level, which is Sweet World. Right, it's all candies and stuff. Your candy sh- donuts are shooting at you. You've got Fruit World. You've got Music World, and you've got. Uh, Toy World, Fun Fair World, and Tool World. Not these are not in the correct order. Um, I got the Music World. I don't know. Did you get that far? I didn't. I didn't make it past Candy World. <laughs> candy World. A lot of people hate Candy World. I think it's too busy. There's uh, a lot. The they really went overboard with the uh, the collectibles. You know, as far as the, having the candy, it just seems like everywhere you jump, it's just you run into millions of pieces of candy. And I, I, the thing is, only a little bit. Like I, I, I knew I would get things, but I wasn't even sure what they were. I had to look look them up. I don't know if you looked at, or maybe you knew right away. Uh, you can get a bomb. It's, it kills everything on the screen. You get this weird thing that splits you in two. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a cool effect. Uh, but it doesn't really help. Well, you get you shoot more. <laughs> yeah. Um, you get a thing uh, that that is that helps you jump uh, or climb. And, you know, because you kind of climb and jump. What was the game? Strider mm-hmm. that did that yep. same sort of thing? I, th- I actually like that aspect of the game. I well, that I'll was tell you, I almost stopped playing the game immediately because I couldn't make it past that first section. And this is the very beginning of the game where you have to jump attach yourself to the wall jump off and ju- and use your momentum as you jump off to get to the top of the cliff. that was a, a re- repeating element yeah, yeah. Um, um and you know physics wise it makes no sense and i was like well there's no way they'll let you do that because you can't jump off of something and rise above the thing you're jumping off <laughs> unless you're playing zool unless, unless you're a ninja you not unless you're a ninja <laughs> that represents the body of ants yeah but uh um uh there's there's a shield there's a time bonus and there's an extra life there but that much said so you've got what, f- what six things there five things there's so much collectible crud everywhere there's no way you can even tell what the heck you're getting it's just i mean it's everywhere it's thick like you said and when you have too much it's too much it's too much it's too much the leaping thing i thought was i thought it was cute again it's, it's stri- okay. stridery mm-hmm. uh, um and Strider-esque. a couple, couple other games use that element I, I i liked i liked i liked that element but again they, 
They didn't do any favors. Yeah. And the positioning of spikes and stuff. Another game with these these damn spikes. Yeah. And something that used to that would bother me was getting shot from something off screen. Mm-hmm. That would happen a lot. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of game. And I don't want to sit here and, and uh, stroke the ego of Nintendo, but when they do a platformer, and, and the really good platformers, mm-hmm. Adam's Family, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is a different sort of platformer altogether, but when you're getting, when you don't feel like you're getting a fair shake, and you combine that with the fact that your control's a little iffy, and you combine that with the just poor level design. And the length of the level the design. Le- the level is too long, mm-hmm. you're right. Uh, the end boss. I'm, did you get to the end? I boss? did get to the end <clears throat> boss. You did. That's where I died. The the big B. Yep. The big turbo B. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I, I I managed to beat him using all my lives, but mm-hmm. I, I beat him one time. Um, the end. Each world has an end boss in it. Uh, he the the this giant bubble B is that one. Uh, the uh, music world has a a, a big flying shooting guitar <clears throat> I had seen that in my youth those days of my ability to get there were over but I'd seen him in the fruit world there's a big banana that shoots at you and an alarm clock that kind of hops around the tool world there's a big actually the tool world the boss is pretty clever there's a, there's a you're on the ground and there's a big huge like pneumatic drill that's coming down and it it, it pounds away at the ground and you just kind of dodge back and forth to eventually just digs all the way through and just falls in this pit. Mm. Kind of like uh, the end of Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, Toy World has a uh, a big kind of a, a robot-y looking thing. I'm not sure, let me see what I describe this guy as. He was a uh, uh, weird... It's just a weird ball-looking... It was a robot thing. The fair, the fairground world, which is the last level, you'll never get to get there. No one, I don't know who, <laughs> the guy I watched the video of, he got there, but God bless, more power to him. Had this weird, uh, uh, it was a clown with an eye stalk and a long tongue and an eyeball on the end of his tongue. Wow! And you fight this. And, and spoiler Freaky. alert for anyone that hasn't beat this, which is everyone. The game came out a long time ago, so I don't feel too bad about dropping a spoiler. The end of the game, you basically you see a ship, it flies off. Zul gets out and greets his family, his wife, presumably, and these two little baby Zuls that are in diapers, which I thought was cute. And he, and you get a message, and the message is something that if I hear, I wrote it down. Well done. Zul has returned to his homeland and his loving family. Thank you. <laughs> that's what it says. <laughs> and it, that was, that's, the end of, that's the end of the game. And also, did you know there's... Um, did you know about the bonus level that you can get to from the second level, which I didn't know this either until I did some research no idea <clears throat> on the second level the on the music level i say second level but the first level has what six parts second level. there's a big piano you run across and when you run across it's like those notes at the store you can play a little mm-hmm. tune if you play if you play a certain set of notes you go to a shooting level it's like a bonus level where you're in a ship and it's like oh, a, it's cool. sort of like an r type yeah it's it didn't look that good oh. now i have gotten to that again when i was younger accidentally mm-hmm. um you know, it is it's, what it it's is. It's neat that it's in there, though. It is. It's it is. Another thing I saw on, like, I think it was the last level, which I thought was amusing. Oh, another thing on the, on the I think it was the tool level, it's hammers are chasing you around. And you can get on this, there's a, you know those uh, things you see at the carnival, uh, that you hit the thing that goes up and hang, dings a bell. Yeah. You can stand, if you stand in the right spot and a hammer comes down, it'll shoot you up in the air. Oh, that's cool. Which I thought was funny. And the best part, and I will give him credit on this, this is very clever. Zool's running around, and he comes across this gigantic arcade machine of Zool. And he's on the control panel, and the on the screen you see Zool running, and these officers are coming at him. And if you run back and forth across, on, onto the arcade buttons, he'll make him jump. Huh. And so you can actually play the game That's with your awesome. little Zool. That's pretty cool. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, that was on the uh, uh, the toy level uh, that, you, that you could do that. So it's not like this game didn't have any charm. Uh, it's just... Level design, level design, level design controls. That's what it lacked. The uh, it was it wasn't bad. It's 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 still a fun game. You know, I enjoyed it, but it's not one I would rush back to play again. I don't think. I kind of feel the same way. You know, the uh, being able to look at it with some hindsight and uh, knowing the uh, what it was trying to do and what it was trying to be. 
uh, helps it a little bit because you, you see what they're reaching for. But when you've got levels that are this long and it's this frustrating to play because of, like you said, the cheap shots, uh, it just doesn't give you a lot of incentive to run back and, and, and keep playing. Right. And the when if you play a Mario or a Sonic, for example, these two games, it's not just the level. Even, even if the level design was poor, the placement of the bad guys and the obstacles it's it, it it's so it's depressing to play this game it's just i felt so helpless in some places and you just feel like I, i'm never gonna get even past when this. you have power-ups you never feel particularly powerful like if you've got a fire flower in super mario brothers you feel like you can pick off the enemies you know if you've got an invincibility star you feel like you're running you know you feel good about yourself even when you get that thing that splits you in two i mean you shoot faster but i was dying it's just, also sort just of as often. discombobulating. Yeah, at first I thought it was invisibility, invincibility. I was running into stuff, and of course I died immediately. Um, yeah, and this game will kill you in heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And the the fact that you have what is a three hit point that doesn't mean you're gone. Right. So it, um, overall, again, and I recall this game got really good reviews. It did. Um, it scored in the nineties in most. This, magazines. in my opinion, this isn't even in the same ballpark as Adam's family in terms of a, of a, of a solid platform. No. It's definitely in the more of the realm of some super frog. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay. My yeah. kid liked it. He played it quite a bit. And I know that it got released on a million different things. Now, so would you say overall you prefer this game to super frog? Super frog had a lot of character. I like that. Super frog's a better character mm-hmm. than this ninja ant or non ant <laughs> from the nth dimension. What, what, what even is that? We don't even know. And you remember, you remember uh, Poochie on The Simpsons? They tried to make him the super cool hip character with all the, you know, he was a Rastafarian surfer. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, that's what the, that's what this reminds me of. I mean, I, I, this is when mascots were coming out of the woodwork. Yep. You know, ninety two was the. I mean, that was Super Mario World. That was Sonic Two. You know, you had you had those guys, but you had all these uh, all these other, you know, the bat. There was a bat guy that was a that was a character, and you had. Uh, a conquer and you had all these other guys well, yeah Rain i mean, the 90s, I mean had, crash bandicoot yeah yeah all had that, a yeah. so this is just and this guy's just another another guy with another if you saw this on a console for example you'd be like eh, there's another one which you mm-hmm. could see this on a console yeah so you know eh, i guess it'd be my thing it I, didn't help either that uh, i was reading some about the different the ports to the system bit systems and i guess uh the uh the genesis and super nintendo ports uh, they don't. They have different levels, uh, smaller uh, graphics and bosses. The Super Nintendo port apparently is very buggy and has very low horizontal resolution, and makes the collision just much more of a factor. And it's just an, a slower game overall. So I don't think Zool made uh, Super Nintendo owners look twice at the Amiga. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> did you? Did you have a glance at the sequel? It did get a sequel. I did play a little bit of it. Um, it seemed like more of the same to me. Yeah, uh, for except with a chick, chick non-ant. Yeah, I uh, I erased it from my notes. I wrote down a couple things about it, but yeah, it looked like more of the same. The graphics were slightly better, I thought. But this is one game I actually have for the Jag. Really? I picked it up a while back, uh, and the Jag version of all the Jag games, the Atari Jaguar. Uh, it's not, it stands out pretty good on the Jag if you consider the, the alternatives. Right, on uh, the Jag was Bubsy, yeah. Bubsy three D. The the, uh, the the Jag didn't have much, so yeah. I thought it was a win. But uh, you know, again, that's where it stopped. And the thing is, Gremlin is, is they they do a lot of good stuff. And this isn't crap. Again, I know I don't. What else say did Gremlin do? I, did they? I think they did the Lotus series, uh, which is highly yeah. thought of on the Amiga. I think you're right because they were talking about how something about the Zool soundtrack was similar. Maybe that was Lemmings. No, because Gremlins didn't do it. Mm-hmm. All these games are running together. I'm pretty but sure that I'm sure I'm pretty sure that Gremlin did the the Lotus Lotus the racing series. Lotus yeah. is a which we need to touch on that sometime. Oh, Lotus yeah. is a great we'll is a great series. Uh, but overall, I'm going to give it a thumbs in the middle slightly down i don't know it's a 55 percent yeah or whatever. it's it's a solid thumbs down for me um if you want to play a, a platformer just look for another one i'm sure there's one well, that's I better mean, this is worth a look the graphics are, are pretty good on the amiga i thought that was a nice thing and they scroll nicely but you know yeah, yeah. i i feel like if you're, you know i much prefer super frog 
I think. Oh, that, really? Yeah, the, I love the hidden areas in Super Frog. I think that's a nice touch. It's not as busy. There's still stuff. You know, you got the fruit and the coins and stuff, but it just doesn't seem as full of junk. It, although it's close. That's one thing they had in common, too. Just lots of stuff to get. And I think that this game suffers from the first level being almost kind of vomit-inducing with the amount of sugary sweetness that's in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And so uh, that's it. Really turned me off. If it would have started on a different level, you know, once I see some of these other levels when we when we run through it, um, you know, maybe I'll think differently. But uh, I really like the first level of the Super Frog game. You know, the outdoor setting. I thought it was kind of neat. It's funny because I hear that. A, that's one thing I read over and over and over when I was doing some research and looking at forums and stuff. Is that people just don't like that first level the way it looks. I, you know, it's funny as a kid. I thought, man, this is a pretty good looking first level. Mm-hmm. And but and I thought the music level, which is the next one, was was pretty cool looking too. And I wrote that's as far as into the game as I got. But uh, uh, you know, I can see where it's bu- it's very busy, and with the added bonus of all the crap, probably yeah. too much. And um, if they would have had some sort of you know like the secret areas, I love in Super Frog where you can tunnel in, you know. And yeah, that is something that was and- nice in there. So, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it's a thumbs down for me, but it's I guess it's kind of a thumbs part way down because there are some redeeming qualities, but. I'd play something else. Mm. Um, score time. So, uh, Aaron, what'd you get on this one? I hung around for a, a whopping one hundred twenty-seven thousand six hundred sixty-three, which is part of way through the uh, music world. Yeah, you doubled my score, and I <laughs> thought I played this a pretty good bit, but I was just terrible at it. Apparently, uh, I got sixty-three thousand four hundred fifty-six. Did you say you you never got off the first level? I got to the last guy on the first level. He's tough. Mm-hmm. That B is tough, and, yeah. it, and he charges at you. You're basically you're bone. I don't know. There was no, I don't, couldn't find any way, any pattern to not get hit at all. Yeah. I just had to go in there with full, at full strength and just it took me a while. Business. Oh, well, I got to the second level two or three times of all the times I played. So, man. But yes, once again, I am your yeah, master. You're victorious. All right. Um, well, let's talk about what game we're going to play next week. Uh, I've got a special treat for you because okay. I know what a soccer fan you are. Oh, man. <laughs> I sure, I sure love me some. Wait a minute, what? Soccer? You know, football. Oh, gee, many. Christmas. Have you seen on NFL games how they're spelling football? F U T. Like they spell it. That's the way they know. spell it in Europe, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but anyway, um, I think we should do kickoff two next week. Kickoff two. Yeah. Not uh, sensible soccer. Not sensible soccer. And I'll tell you why. Okay. On October on no. Oh boy, let's start again. Way to again. talk. Ah, on on November seventh and eighth. 2015, the 15th kickoff to World Cup is taking place in Dublin, Ireland. Really? Where the best kickoff players are gathering for two days of goal-scoring action. And they're expecting players from all across Europe. Uh, If you want to check it out, you can go to uh, www.kickoff2worldcup.com. So to celebrate... Um, the uh, the World Cup. I thought maybe we should we should do it. It's kind of a preliminary. Okay, now let me ask you. You said it was the fifteenth annual. Is what you just said on that? Uh, yeah, the fifteenth. So they started playing kickoff two, presumably eight to ten years after it was released, <laughs> right? For, the tur- <laughs> for their tournament. Someone thought, you know, kickoff two was a good game. It's the year two thousand. What the hell? Exactly. Fire that sucker up. <laughs> so, um, but you know, I, I went on Lemon Amiga and checked it out, and it turns out that a lot of people prefer kickoff two. To sensible soccer. Oh my! I bet this is a big throwdown oh, overseas. I'm sure. Um, now the uh, apparently the the learning curve to kick off to is a little bit more steep. Oh, but great. since <laughs> since we're playing each other, uh-huh. we'll both be equally terrible. Do you know anything about soccer at all? Uh, I know that I don't understand offsides. It's like, is, is it like hockey? Yeah, which I, I don't understand that either. So, uh-huh. so we're going to be <laughs> we're going to be failing a lot, I'm guessing. Um, but I did play actually when the uh, XBLA version of Sensible Soccer came out. Uh, I played that quite a bit, and I enjoyed it. I like a good soccer game. I played the, the games on the Genesis. Uh, I'm not a huge soccer fan. Um, just not. Uh, mostly just because it, I didn't grow up watching it. I think with any sport, you know, if you grow up watching it, you have part of, part of a nostalgia of growing up watching a specific team. And uh-huh. if you don't have that, it's harder to get into. What do you think about that? Do you agree with that? I mean, obviously, you didn't grow up watching MMA and you like that now, but you grew up watching boxing. And Well, you know. for it's, maybe our European fans... I'm not the biggest soccer fan. And by that, I mean, I don't like soccer at all. But hear me out before you just turn off the thing. 
Uh, soccer is not a tradition in the States, obviously. That's that Everywhere else on earth it is, but not here. And uh, probably this is a speech best saved for the, for the show, but I'll just end it by saying they've tried for 20 years to shove soccer down our throats over here to get us to watch it. And so it's not this, I necessarily have anything against the game, but I don't like the fact that they've been trying to beat us down and watch this for so long. You know, I, it is what it is. Either like or you don't, but uh, it gets tiresome after a while. That much said, I do like me a good soccer game now and again. I've played uh, some soccer games on the Neo Geo. I believe they have a, a one on there that I've played. And uh, uh, I remember playing the EA one. So, heck, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. All I know about soccer is I think Pele is pretty cool, and that's about the extent of my knowledge about it. <laughs> You're not going to watch the DC United this weekend? I uh, don't know what those are. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time, adios. adios.